Welcome to the Report Card with Nat Malkus, where we evaluate research, policy, and practice efforts to improve the lives of families, schools, and students. So sometimes we hear this figure. Teachers report spending about $500 of their own money each year on their classrooms. $500, that's a lot of money. And, well, there's about 3.2 million teachers, public school teachers, in America. That works out to about $1.6 billion a year. That's a lot of money spent by obviously dedicated teachers. I mean, if they weren't dedicated, they wouldn't spend that kind of money on their own classroom. And of course, teachers have been reminding us in different ways, sometimes by strikes, that A, they don't actually make a lot of money, and B, that school budgets are tight. That affects a lot of classrooms. This is something we care about. And today, I've brought in Charles Best. He's the founder and CEO of DonorsChoose.org. And this is a website that's actually trying to work right in this nexus figuring out how to get teachers that want to do special things in their classrooms, the funds they need to do it without having to necessarily depend on bureaucratic structures or their established funding streams. Donors Choose can sort of be thought of as a GoFundMe for teachers, where teachers post requests for funds and everyday people can go and fund that. Donors Choose is very popular. In fact, it's so popular that when I tried to bring Charles in, Karen, who is one of the folks that greets people when they come into AEI, stopped him and said, hey, I know Donors Choose. I love contributing to my local schools, and I just wanted to thank you for your work. That's quite an introduction, isn't it? Thank you, Nat. And thank you to Karen, your colleague, who was so generous when I showed up and and clearly is a, a major donor on our site. Yeah, she said she wants to donate to her local schools, and she uses Donors Choose. Before we get ahead of ourselves, explain to the listeners, what is Donors Choose? For sure. Donors Choose is a really simple way for anyone to help a classroom in need. Public school teachers all over the country are creating classroom project requests. Could be for a field trip to a museum or a classroom library or a robotics kit or some art supplies to do a particular art project. And then people can choose the project request that speaks to them, see exactly where their money is going and hear back from the classroom they chose to help. This is why it made sense for Karen when she saw you coming in that Donors Choose is a way for her to participate in a local teacher's needs. So how did this come about? I mean, this kind of project at this point, I think you said you raised $160 million last year when we were talking about. That's no small thing. In fact, the numbers that I was talking about in the intro, that's about 10% of the stated need of teachers across the board that they spend in their classrooms. That's incredible scale. How did you get here? Oh, well, thank you for thinking it's incredible scale. We still feel like we're just scratching at the surface of teacher out-of-pocket spending. You could think of 10% of of total out-of-pocket spending is actually, you know, only one-tenth rather than as much as 10%. But I was one of those teachers you were describing spending money out of their own pocket. I taught history at a public high school in the Bronx for five years. And like teachers everywhere, my colleagues and I would spend a lot of our own money on copy paper and pencils and dictionaries and stuff that our classrooms didn't have. And then we would talk in the teacher's lunchroom about really cool stuff we wanted to do with our students, a field trip that we wanted to take them on, a science experiment that just needed a pair of microscopes, an art project that needed certain art supplies, books we wanted our students to read. And we couldn't go into our own pockets for those 
really awesome, exciting things we wanted to do for our students. And it just occurred to me that there must be people out there who would want to help teachers like us and students like ours if they could see where their money was going. This is years and years before crowdfunding was a word or a thing. So it's just kind of common sense that we teachers, using our kind of wisdom of the front lines, knew exactly what resources our kids most needed. We knew exactly what projects and activities would most excite them about learning. And there were folks out there who maybe had long wanted to support public school classrooms, but felt uneasy writing a check to a central office. And and if they could really see where their money was going and choose a project that spoke to them personally, well, then my colleagues and I might be able to take our students on that field trip and get them those books. Right. So it's that kind of connective tissue that may actually be missing a lot of the time between what, you know, everyday donors would like to do and their ability to actually help teachers in need and their ability to know what those needs are, which is interesting. I remember when I was a teacher about the same time you're talking about years ago, I wanted to put together a greenhouse for our kids, right? So we could do a little bit of experiments in the winter and spring. Boy, it was a hassle. I actually got the big piece of plastic and the PVC that I needed funded from this, but there was no easy way to do it. I went to the local steamfitters union and they actually were able to put this together. How do you make that connective tissue work? What does it look like on the donors choose site and how do teachers participate on their end? Yes. Well, this connective tissue that, that as you describe it, is really important for us to build a community of people, of donors, who want to support teachers and students whom they've never met before. When we came in, when we met each other and, we, and Karen talked about supporting all these projects, she may well have been talking about classroom projects in her own community, but created by teachers who she doesn't personally know. Right. No personal connection. That's yeah. right. And that is actually one of the two things that makes DonorsChoose.org really different from other crowdfunding sites. Other crowdfunding sites are great ways to hit up the people you know to say, I have a medical need that I can't cover financially myself, and I'm asking my friends and family to help me out with that need, which you might find on GoFundMe, or it's someone saying, I want to record an album because I'm an aspiring musician, and I'm putting up my, my project on Indiegogo and asking my friends and family. And, and so those are great ways for people to hit up the folks they know, the people in their, what you would call first degree and maybe second degree social network. Donors Choose is really different. Only 25% of the dollars given to classroom project requests on our site come from folks who know the teacher or the students. 75% of the dollars given to projects on our site comes from donors who've never met the teacher or the students they're supporting. And they're getting to those projects because they have searched for a passion area like gardening or yoga or... Shakespeare or New Orleans and found classroom project requests, discovered projects that speak to them really personally and where thanks to our accountability and safeguard measures, they feel comfortable giving to that classroom that they may have never set foot in. Well, that comfort is an important thing to, to ask about. So let's just get this out of the way. How does the money flow, right? I mean, a lot of times we want to give things and with charitable contributions, we just kind of want to make sure that it actually hits. So how does donor choose facilitate that? So A, teachers get the resources they need, and B, donors are comfortable that the money they're giving actually gets where they think it's going. That's right. We do not operate like a, a normal crowdfunding platform where the campaign creator, the fundraiser, would get cash deposited into their personal bank account, and it right. would be kind of honor system that, sure. that they'll spend it as promised. 
at Donors Choose, we first vet and authenticate each teacher's project request before posting it to the public site. So that means we're doing some basic fact checking and verification. It means we're reading over what the teacher has written to make sure that the teacher has explained exactly what students are going to learn if the resource is provided, because we don't want a project on our site just to be a wish list of here's the stuff I need. We want the teacher to explain, here's the learning that's going to happen if we get this robotics kit, if I'm able to take my students on this field trip. So then the project is posted on our site. And when it's funded, We do not give cash to the teacher. We purchase the materials and have them delivered to the classroom. So even if the project is a field trip, we're paying the bus company that's taking students to the museum. If it is a classroom library, we're purchasing the books and having them drop shipped to the classroom. That enables every donor to see down to the penny how every dollar was spent because we've done the purchasing and we're transparent about exactly what we bought from where at what unit cost. That information is actually open to the entire world. And then finally, every teacher for every project publishes photos of their project in action. They write an initial thank you note and then they write an impact letter describing what students are really learning. Students write their donors thank you letters that go through our office so we protect donor privacy. And the donor really does get to not just see how their money was spent, how their donation was allocated, but they get to see and feel the impact that they made. That's really fascinating because, yeah, and a lot of these GoFundMe sites, you know, it's like, well, I'll chip in some money and then they'll get the money. But that's not how you're working. From what I'm hearing, you're saying, teachers, ask us what resources you need to do what, and then we let people contribute to deliver those resources to teachers as opposed to cash. That's exactly right. So what have you learned from this about our education system that I might not know because you have this very interesting view into the world of teachers? And I should say that I think I saw a statistic that more than 80% of schools have a teacher who has participated in Donors Choose, which is pretty incredible market penetration for any organization. But again, that wide view and also particular view would give sort of a technology company, which Donors Choose ultimately sort of is, a view into our school system. So I'm interested, what do you know that I don't? Yes. Well, first, I'll I'll underscore the scope of the data that we've got and, and that we've opened up for anyone to mine and analyze. So as you said, 80% of all the public schools in America have at least one teacher who's created a project request on our site. More than half a million teachers have gotten a project funded through Donors Choose. So not just registered, not just teachers who've posted a project and maybe it was successful or not. If we just look at teachers who had projects funded through our site, we're talking about more than half a million, and they got 1.3 million projects funded. So we've got a real data set and an ability for people, policymakers, concerned citizens, members of the news media, to kind of take the pulse of classroom teachers in their community and see what teachers are trying to tell us about the books that are most effective at getting kids hooked on reading, the technology devices that are most needed in Baton Rouge high schools, the activities that they think are most effective. Really, we, we, we have this dream of enabling people to tap the wisdom of the front lines and to hear uh, what teachers think is most important for their students and, and most needed. And in a dream world, perhaps one day, we could even help to make government education spending a little smarter, a little better targeted, a little more efficient, a little more responsive, because people can now see 
classroom needs and classroom trends in real time in the projects that teachers have created on our site and the data that we have opened up. Because each project contains a mountain of data, not just the words that the teacher has written, but each book down to the ISBN number and each microscope down to the product skew, all sorts of metadata, like the type of project it is, the latitude and longitude of the school, the demographics of the student body benefiting from that project. So in any case, you asked, what are we starting to learn from these projects? And first of all, we're we're hoping that the world will come in and rock out on our data and make their own discoveries. But But I'll give you a few that we've seen already. One is you could see in Donors Choose years before it was noticed by other folks that classroom teachers increasingly think that flexible seating is important. Flexible seating refers to exercise balls, wobble stools, bean bags, forms of seating that are a little more comfortable, but really better enable a kid to express physical energy than a chair that they sit in for hours straight. Teachers have been finding that if kids, whether they have ADD or not, just kids who've got a lot of physical energy, if they can vent some of that energy, if they can be like working out, doing a little leg exercise, because they've got this new exercise band under their desk, or just kind of if they're able to wiggle, they'll be able to pay better attention to the teacher. That trend, actually, Donors Choose exhausted the worldwide supply of wobble stools for about a month. And like literally, we had to wait for like freighters to come into port because teachers were hip to this this trend and other folks were not, not even the manufacturers of flexible seating. The book Wonder trended on our site before it was clear that that would be a popular book. There's all sorts of stuff that we that we see yeah, on our site. What do donors tend to flock to? I mean, you know, I, I understand that there's you, you can understand about the demand from teachers, but what do we know about what donors tend to want to fund and what they don't find so popular? A lot of donors want to complete a project. They they want to be the closer, and gotcha. so as often as not, a donor will just say, "If I've got forty five dollars to spare, show me the projects that only need forty five dollars right. to cross the finish line." I think a lot of donors have strong feelings and different feelings about the value of technology in the classroom. There are a lot of teachers who request Chromebooks, who request listening centers for kids to hear a book being read as they follow along, all sorts of technology requests on our site. And I think there's a critical mass of donors who are skeptical about technology in the classroom. We probably see a bit of a divide there. But really, our, our dream scenario is one where A donor shows up on our site and they do a search for their favorite author, the town where they grew up, the sport they played in high school, the hobby that they're pursuing, and then they get to see classroom projects that match their personal passion. There are about 60,000 classroom project requests live on our site at any given moment. Sometimes that goes all the way up to 80,000. And a donor really can express a very particular passion and see projects that match. There was one time I was talking with a journalist a few years ago about donors choose. And he said that after the interview, he said he was decently interested in our site, but his real passion was salmon in the Northwest, preserving the salmon fisheries in in the Northwest, which was his nice way of saying he wouldn't be giving on donors choose. But before he left the room, I did a keyword search for salmon on our site and up came five classroom project requests focused on salmon in the Northwest, the, the second result was a teacher at a high school in Oregon, public high school in Oregon, right. who had created a salmon hatchery in the river flowing by his school, and he needed hip waders for his students to be able to maintain and build out the hatchery. Top result was from a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in an island off Alaska, 
who wrote in her project essay that she was 45 minutes away from the nearest store by airplane. All of her students are native Alaskans. They had recorded their parents' folktales about salmon, done research on salmon, wanted to share that work with the outside world, for which they needed a printer and a scanner. And in fact, just because you mentioned a greenhouse project that you did, my mind jumps to what you would have seen if you had done a search for greenhouses and gardening on our site. And we could even stay within Alaska. I saw just a couple months ago a teacher who had a project up on our site for a greenhouse within a classroom with a grow light and all the equipment you need to grow vegetables. And this was so important because our community is on the permafrost and her students have actually never grown a vegetable before or seen one grow because permafrost doesn't allow you to till the soil. And so you would have found that project if you had done a search for for greenhouses. It's fascinating, the variety of projects. And just for those listening, Charles is not looking at a computer scanning through these. He's, He's bringing them all up from memory. Let me advocate for the devil here for a second. I'm sure there are folks out there that say, you know, I, I like this. This is well-intentioned and all. But really, it's our responsibility through government to f- adequately fund these teachers. And we have teachers that are going on strike and they're trying to make sure that their district budgets aren't cut and that they have what they need in the schoolroom. The problem that I have with this kind of a thing is that you're giving some people help, and that's good, but you're actually making it easier for government to fail and then nonprofits to sort of try and come in here and backfill. And that's going to be uneven. How do you respond to folks that say that? That is a fair critique. Are we letting government off the hook by letting private citizens step in where the system is falling short? And I think especially people outside the United States, this is their almost universal first reaction that, you know, just shouldn't the system provide at all. So first of all, I should clarify that about half the project requests on our site request what you referred to as special things, right. resources that you would not expect the system to provide, a field trip to Washington, D.C. to see the Supreme Court consider a case, butterfly cocoons for students to hatch butterflies and see the life cycle taking right. place, therapeutic horseback riding for five disabled students in a teacher's classroom. Right. Really important, vital stuff, yes. but, but not but extras. Yes, you, right. you, might, you might call it extra. I like your term of special things. Right, okay. Now, half the projects on our site do make the donor say, gosh, I can't believe a teacher has to ask for dictionaries in their English classroom or for art supplies in their art classroom. And that's exactly the reaction that we want to elicit. 70% of our donors have never before made a contribution to public school classrooms. So this is really their first vivid encounter with classrooms often on the other side of the tracks. One thing we haven't talked about is that the vast majority of teachers who use our site are in low-income communities. Thanks to the 75% of dollars that come from folks who've never met the teacher, our site has become the one place where a teacher in a low-income community can bring a classroom dream to life, even if they don't have friends with money or students' parents with money, because we've got this community of people who want to discover projects from teachers they don't Connective know. Connective tissue to people with money. That's exactly know, that's right. right. That's exactly right. So because the majority of projects on our site come from low-income communities, giving to a project on our site is often a donor's first really vivid encounter with what's going on in public schools on the other side of the tracks. And 60% of our donors actually say that their experience on our site has made them more interested in systemic reform because meeting a group of students. And you really do feel like you forge a relationship with them. You see their passion in the project. You get letters from them after you give to their project. 
You can stay in touch with that teacher and be notified about all their next projects. That can often be more politically energizing than, no offense, reading a white paper you know, about the insufficiency of school funding. Tons of people read my white paper. (laughs) (laughs) Pleasure read them. That's a joke. Pleasure read them. Uh, That's right. And so we do actually think that we can play a vital role in getting the public back in public schools. And then in addition to kind of energizing and awakening the general public, because far from thinking that they've just solved the problem when they give $10 to a teacher's dictionary request, they actually emerge from that. Our survey data shows more fired up about systemic reform. When they go into the voting booth, they think about the relationship that they now have with a classroom in a low-income community. And then through the data that we're opening up, we actually believe that we're giving teachers a seat now at the budget-making table. Through the data that we've opened up, we're giving voice to classroom teachers and channeling it so that district officials can hear what teachers think is most effective and how government education spending could shift. So you're coming up on your 20th year, is that right? That's right. Yeah, your 20th year. And you've had some significant rise and you've had some help from a couple of well-known folks. Oprah, I think, put you on one of her favorite things lists, and that's got to help. I had one of my RAs looking at it and she said that you were right next to Ugg Sparkly Boots. I don't know exactly what that means, but you're on that list. Stephen Colbert has also been involved. How did you catch those folks' eyes, and what has it meant for your growth up till now? Sure. Well, Oprah Winfrey, we we got lucky. I had been cold-calling reporters during my lunch hour while teaching to tell them about this new website that my students had helped me create, where someone with $10 could be a classroom hero. And we were tiny at the time, just opened to public schools in New York City. And so I'd been cold-calling reporters and... Jonathan Alter at Newsweek, a senior editor there, was the first reporter to not hang up on me. And he wrote a little blurb in Newsweek about our site. And it caught the attention of Oprah's producers. And the day my students were best behaved was when a limo from Oprah's show came to pick me up after school. And that, that was pretty amazing. With Stephen Colbert, that was a really unorthodox origin story. In 2007, Stephen Colbert ran for president in the South Carolina Democratic primary. And we sensed... I didn't expect you to start there, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we sensed that Stephen had a bit of a challenge on his hands, which was that a lot of his viewers wanted to support his candidacy, but Stephen probably didn't want them parting with their hard earned money for what was an act of satire. And yet he needed to give them away to show their love for Stephen and as members of the Colbert Nation at the time. And we hatched an idea for a philanthropic presidential straw poll where people could donate to a classroom project request in honor of their favorite candidate, Republican or Democrat. And that donation would thereby push the candidate higher up in what we called a straw poll that makes a difference. We created a page for each candidate with classroom projects reflecting their background. So if it was John McCain's page, it was a lot of classroom projects from Arizona teachers. And we, we shared this idea with Stephen Colbert by way of one of his producers and by way of Craig Newmark, the founder of Craigslist, who was going on the show and who was very generous and willing to not just talk about Craigslist, but also to talk about donors' yeah. shoes. And Stephen kind of seized on that as his way to let his supporters show their love, but in a way that would be a, a responsible use of their money. He would later pit Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton supporters against each other to see who could do more good for Pennsylvania public school classrooms. And that was the beginning of what would become, I really think, one of the greatest 
services that any celebrity has done for any charity. And that understates what, what Stephen has done for Donors Choose over the last 12 years. So what is next? I mean, do you just grow larger and serve more teachers? What's your growth plans for, for Donors Choose? We do want to keep growing. We struggle to keep up with the number of teachers and the projects that they're creating on our site. We're, we're 19 years old, but this year we're posting 21% year-over-year growth in the number of teachers creating projects on our site. So we're, we're, we're in a big game of, of keep up and catch up. And how many folks does it take to run this? Because you review each entry, right? That's right. That's right. Yes. The, the reviewing of each project, the fulfillment of the project when it's funded, the feedback, the photos thank you letters that donors get that does require an operation. So we're, we've about 115 full-time colleagues and yeah, we're, we're a legit operation. So we want to keep growing because we, we are only at 10% of teacher out-of-pocket spending. And to be honest, I wish I could say that when a teacher gets a $500 project funded on donorschoose.org, they're no longer spending $500 out-of-pocket. But as you pointed out in an earlier conversation, Often teacher out-of-pocket spending is, is, you know, tomorrow I need baking soda for a volcano experiment and this afternoon I need copy paper and Donors Choose isn't able to cover all those needs. We, we really are the capture of teachers' biggest dreams and, and most urgent needs right. that they can anticipate, but we're not even eliminating out-of-pocket spending yeah, the entirely. dime stuff is just not something that your structure is set up to take care of. That's right. So we want to keep growing and we know that we're only nibbling at the the problem of teachers spending money out of their own pockets, the problem of students not having the materials and experiences they need for a great education, the problem of those materials and experiences not being equitably distributed across public schools. So we want to keep growing and, and we want to have an impact through the data that we've opened up. Because you're expert in the field of education, I'll also mention we'd like to see donors choose be used even more as an altruistic currency for incentivizing and rewarding teachers who do great things. There have been any number of cases where a foundation or an organization will use donors choose classroom funding credits. Think of them as, as classroom funding dollars that can only be spent on a classroom project at, at donors choose, presumably your own if you're a teacher. And imagine if you as a teacher can unlock some of those classroom funding credits if four or more of your students show proficiency in computer science, or if you show that you have become an uh, expert in financial literacy, or if you show that you've upped your game as a teacher in a particular way. So let me, let me ask how this works and maybe ask you to give a, an example of a particular project. So this is a situation where someone with a, a good lump sum that they can invest, they can say, you know, I want to invest a lump sum in teachers in order to incentivize behavior, get specific things done that I think are valuable. And then teachers become aware of this and then they try and use those dollars. Put some flesh on this. Is there a particular project you can describe? You described it better than I did. It began about six years ago with a grant we got from google.org, which underwrote donors choose classroom funding credits for teachers in high schools and low-income communities who launched and help their students pass math and science advanced placement courses. So a teacher could unlock what you might think of as a philanthropic signing bonus when they raised their hand to say, I am hereby launching a calculus AB course in my school. They got an upfront donors choose funding credit so that they could get the graphing calculators they might need to teach calculus AB that year. And then at the end of the school year, for every student who passed 
their math or science AP course. The teacher unlocked $100 of Donors Choose funding credits. So if 20 of your students pass the Calculus AB exam, you unlock a $2,000 Donors Choose funding credit to spend on your own classroom project requests right. or your colleagues' classroom projects. And you can imagine what it's like for students who are able to say, you know that field trip we went on yesterday? You see that classroom library in our classroom? I got that for us when I passed the Calculus AB exam. And this approach can be taken with any discrete learning outcome. And anything that can be proven is game for incentivizing and, and rewarding what through, through these donors choose classroom funding credits. And donors choose on these things is sort of the system administrator and the referee. So there's sort of an independent party to take care of this. That's exactly right. And often we'll need an additional independent party to verify that a teacher really did accomplish sure. something. In the case of those AP courses, it was the college board that would say, that teacher, Mr. Malkus, really did have 15 of his students pass the Calculus AB exam. So Mr. Malkus is now entitled to $1,500 of donors choose funding credits. But also critically, we spread word about these opportunities to the half million teachers who've used our site over the last few years and say, hey, if you've ever been thinking about trying out a computer science course on Khan Academy, now's the time to do it because there's this institution that will provide a major classroom reward if and when this many of your students show true proficiency in computer science. So Charles, teachers have heard about this. You're closing in on half a million who've posted a project, but how do teachers learn about this? I mean, it may help when Stephen Colbert is talking about it, but even earlier, I'm just wondering how the word has spread and how has donors choose grown? If you're a teacher, there's nothing like seeing a big box bursting full of books arrive at your school for a colleague of yours yeah. and makes you awfully curious how that happened. And when your colleague says, well, I posted a project on Donors Choose, that is really right there what spurs teacher adoption. It's word of mouth and it's teachers seeing other teachers fulfilling classroom dreams through our site. Other teachers can learn by seeing that other teachers can get something from Donors Choose. I wonder about the actual projects themselves, right? Some of these projects probably pretty ingenious things that other teachers are sort of like, hey, I'd like to do that. Do you have a mechanism where teachers can share their projects in a full enough way that, you know, someone in Milwaukee can do that project that someone in St. Augustine did? I'm so glad you point out that the projects on Donors Choose are often pretty brilliant ideas for new ways of teaching and new ways to get kids excited about learning. Because we were talking about salmon earlier, I'll mention one more fishing project. Sure. From a teacher in Michigan, a fifth grade teacher who had created a project on our site seeking two underwater robots so that her students could help restore native lake trout to a nearby lake that had been polluted a couple decades prior. So her students were going to solder together these two underwater robots. One was to deliver the native lake trout fry that they had been hatching in their classroom to a limestone reef in the bottom of the lake. The other underwater robot was to monitor whether the lake trout fry were actually surviving and thriving. Imagine being in her fifth grade classroom and building underwater robots to restore trout to your local lake. You know, that's one of the 1.3 million projects right. on our site. And yet, in a spirit of humility, I should acknowledge that we don't yet systematically do enough to help teachers see the brilliance of their peers 
in the projects that are on our site. Right now, it's, it's really kind of organic. Teachers motivating to take a look at what are the other history projects that fifth grade teachers in Baton Rouge have created on our site. It's, that's a very easy search, but we as donors choose, we could do a much better job at systematically getting the best ideas to flourish. So the sharing isn't necessarily fully facilitated yet, but there's enough information on the projects and on each thing. I mean, you say you have the SKUs and so forth, that a lot of what the project is is actually transparent. That's exactly right. Well, it's a fascinating site. It's a fascinating project. I'm sure you have, well, you have half a million teachers that are very thankful for it. And thanks for coming on the podcast to talk about it. Thank you so much, Nat. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to The Report Card, and special thanks to Charles Best of Donors Choose for coming onto the podcast. This episode wouldn't have been possible without our team of producers. That includes Cody Christensen, Sophia Gallo, Macy Heath, and Gage Hurley. You can subscribe on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you enjoyed this episode, please pause and give us a rating on iTunes or Google so other people can hear about the show. If you have any comments, questions, or topic suggestions for another episode, reach out to us at ed.podcast at aei.org. That's the end of the report card. I'm Nat Malkus.